Welcome to worship at Salem Alliance Church. Let's join Josh Mann, pastor of Youth Ministries, as he begins. We spent the first two weeks of this year talking about worship and, and groups. But the reality is if we stop there, we, we miss half of what we believe it means to follow Jesus. And so it, it is more than simply honoring God for who he is in our lives and placing him in that, that first place. It's more than understanding who we are as made by him and experiencing that community. If it doesn't go further, it falls short. And so today we're going to talk about service. And, uh, and, and to do this, we're going to obviously land into Scripture, Mark 10, but, but to get us there, I want to talk about American Idol. <laughs> and this is going to have a, a surprisingly redemptive point, I think, because uh, it feels kind of sacrilegious, just a tad. Uh, so, American Idol kicked off this week, yay, uh, looks a little different, we'll see how it goes. But American Idol is really divided into two sections. Like if you watch it later in the season, it's good singers singing, you know, all sorts of different songs and we're kind of picking our favorite. The first part of American Idol is uh, more varieties of singers. Um, quite, quite a variety, really. And it's this kind of odd uncomfortable, entertaining experience to watch the tryouts. And it's just amazing that some folks have gotten this far in their musical career uh, and yet can seem so surprised at the feedback they get. You, you've, you've probably seen it, but there's just some horrible, just objectively bad musicians, singers, and, uh, and there's two responses. They kind of do their thing, and I, it's uncomfortable because even the editors of the show like sometimes disproportionately highlight them at the beginning and sometimes even kind of string us along, tell us a little bit of their story. Uh, but then they kind of get to the end of their song, ah! and then they listen, like curious as to what's going to happen next. And the judges either tactfully or kind of bluntly say, wow. And they go, wow? Wow? No, not that wow. <laughs> That's a, wow. You're not a very good singer. And, I, and I, you should probably see two responses. One is the, just the swearing and the just crying and the completely wrecked person. And it's just, it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Ah, yeah. It's just they're like self-destructing in, in the very moment. And you're like, it seems like more is going on here than just uh, kind of an ana analysis of your voice. Um, but then there's the other response. This one's even more interesting. It's the stubborn refusal to believe. It's the, who are you to tell me that I can't sing? Really good singers, <laughs> record producers, you know. But there's this, like, no, you're wrong, you're wrong. I know it, you're wrong. Everyone's wrong. And here's what I think is going on. I think this is like a, a little sample 
of what is reflective in our whole culture. I, I think I've grown up with what we see most clearly there, and it's this. Here's my take. I think that we are born into this world and we get a birth certificate, but we don't get anything else. We don't get a value certificate. We don't get a significance certificate. And yet each one of us longs to matter, longs to have value, longs to be significant. I think that we're just kind of born with that. But, but we don't have this like, look, you know, look at the certificate. And so I think we look to something, to anything, to be a means by which we will prove what we hope to be true. Well, like we even ex sometimes instinctively believe is true, but, but have no basis for. And so, you know, for some of us, we, you, you really, uh, you just, like the gene... The jeans gods smiled on you, and you look really nice. Others of us, it doesn't matter how we part our hair. <laughs> it's just not fair. But, but that's just something we value, and if, if you've got that going for you, then that's a way that you can see in people's eyes, you know, an affirmation of value. We value education, being smart. We value kind of business skills. We value... Uh, character, we value athletics, and so kind of early on you can kind of go, oh, I, I think I could pursue, excel at this, and then get what I'm wanting. So these folks on American Idol have chosen singing, like that's, that's a very meaningful thing, that's, that's part of their life, it's, it's become essentially part of who they are. And so when they come to this point, and they, they hear back, you're, you're not a very good singer, there's really more going on here. In, 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 the, in the devastating one, you get that sense of like, they didn't just hear you're not a very good singer. They removed singer. You're not very good. And there's this natural human reaction to, to someone confirming what we've been running from or, or, or whatever. And it's just, and then there's the stubborn refusal people who are like, you're wrong. Like, I, I know I matter, and I'm a singer, and so you're wrong. This, this pattern of trying to validate or prove what Steve Fowler talked about last week in groups of this radical idea that emerged in the book of Genesis at a time and place when this was unheard of, that all humans, A, were created equal, a statement that both elevated half the world and demoted the other half and that we were created in the image of God, that we were image bearers, that we were the closest thing on planet earth to a reflection of creator God. There is value in who made us and in how he made us. But without any basis for that, and I didn't kind of grow up with that firmly ingrained in my head, and so I kind of pursued my own paths of this to try to, to try to find that. And the story we're going to look at today, to me, is reflective of that well, because you can be, I believe, a Christ follower and still live according to this. The story is going to illustrate this. Turn with me to Mark 10, 
Mark 10, 35. It should be page 1002 on your, in your pew Bible. This might be a familiar story. Mark 10, 35. Uh, I like to pause kind of as we go through this. That if that's annoying, I'm sorry, but I'm telling you in advance so you're less thrown. Okay, so this is Mark 10. Mark has 16 chapters, so we're more than halfway through Mark's telling of Jesus' life. James and John that we're about to meet are two of his 12 disciples. So we're halfway through his life. They've been with him for a couple chapters now, maybe a year or more. So they've seen some of the things he's done. They've heard some of the things he's taught. And we need to know that going into this, that this is not, you know, hi, Jesus, hi, James, that first kind of interaction. This is later on, which, which is interesting in light of what, what happens. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said. We want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. They replied, Let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. Why do you think they're asking this? Right? Every question carries with it kind of a motive. What are they going after. You can talk to, you don't have a mic, but that's cool. We're created equal. <laughs> it says in Genesis. What, what, what do you think is behind that question? Ego? Significance? Im honor? Importance? Okay, I would agree. Uh, now, with Jesus constantly knowing people's motives when they ask and stuff, how is he going to respond to this obviously kind of interesting question? Uh, he says, you don't know what you are asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? That's kind of a confusing allegorical question about can you follow me in, in the in the in the path I will kind of pave? And they said, we can. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. End of discussion. What a nice, gentle answer that was. Hey, Mom, we do whatever I ask. Um, what do you want, honey? Um, to be treated better than my siblings? Oh, that's, that's a good question, honey. You know, I can't, I can't do that. Um, like, wow, that's very, <laughs> kind of let them off easy. The other 10 of the 12, on the other hand, were not so nice. When the 10 heard about this, verse 41, they became indignant furious with James and John. Pause. Why? What, what is it to them if James and John have box seats and 
They, they wanted them. I think that's getting at it. They probably didn't know you could ask. Uh, and they're mad they didn't. And it's like, and it's like who, who are you to? Hold on. So this next part seems like, I see like, you know, quarreling siblings and, and mom and dad calling them into the living room. Jesus called them together after this little bit and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles, so in the Greek-speaking world, everyone non-Jewish in the world, you know that those who are regarded as rulers in that world lord it over, lord it over the people they rule. And their high officials exercise authority over them. They, he was kind of saying, you know, you know how that, you know how the world works? We have authority and, and hierarchy and, uh, and privilege and responsibility and, and, and this authority over kind of thing going on. Yeah. Not so with you. It's this phrase, if, if I can translate that to this, that's not how we do it here. Jesus is pulling all of us out of the, the kingdom of the world, out of conventional wisdom that we just can't help but you know, kind of catch living in this time and age. And uh, he's, he's saying, that's not how we do it in the kingdom. How do we? Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is saying we, we do it differently here. And what I believe James and John were, were going for is the, is the same thing I did, is the same thing I think we see in American Idol, and that's I want proof, validation, a, a seat of esteem, so that when people see me in it, they will come to conclusions about me, so that I will come to conclusions about me that are positive about my value. And I do that by ascending, by improving, by working. Let me draw it, because I'm kind of visual, and this is just horribly small. But I'll tell you what I'm saying if you're in the back or you, or you can't see. I didn't know what else to say there. Okay, it says actions, attitude, and value. And I'm, I'm going to try to like show what's going on with James and John in their request and, and, and the American Idol thing. I believe we kind of, we long for this, we long for value to be significant and secure, but like we don't have proof. And so we start here. We try to find something that we can do that will prove. And so, like I said, some of the things we mentioned that we might go after. And so James and John want a, a position of leadership, of esteem, of authority. And so they want good actions. Because the belief is, if you have positive, good actions, check, 
then that leads to an increase in our attitude about ourselves. It improves. If you've ever felt better about your very self after succeeding in something or because of some characteristic of you that is, that is better than others, your place in life, your bank account, your looks, whatever. If you've ever felt better about yourself after something, then, then this is going on. And that, we, we hope, convinces us, this is a plus sign, that we have value. So good actions, we, can, we kind of get ahead in something, it, it, it increases our, our sense about ourselves, and it confirms we have value. And we, we do this. For folks in the world today who win in these areas, we value them. We look up to them. They come in all sorts of shapes and sizes. Celebrities, athletes, authors, academics, people of good moral character, whatever. There's a lot of ways to go at this. But here's the tricky thing. Every day this is up for debate again. Every day this must be done again and again and again. And the moment this stops, if you've ever felt worse about your very self after a failed whatever because you didn't get accepted into because you have a history of broken relationships because you're an addict if there's some tangible proof of a failure then it leads to a decreasing attitude and the conclusion that we have less value. So when the American Idol singer is up there, they think they're just talking about this, singing, but they're, they're here for this. And they say, mm, nope. And, and we see on their face what it looks like. So... I think this is what James and John are doing. And Jesus seems to say, this is not how we do it here in the kingdom. What, how, how do we do it here? The way Jesus lived his life in a short 33 years in an obscure part of the world long ago was so significant. We're still talking about it today. And our pursuit, our follow him, our trying to replicate what he did in our lives, is the defining characteristic of some of our lives. What did he do that was different that he called James and John to do? I think he flipped this thing on its head. Jesus at the top, value, attitude, actions. Matthew 3.16 is the story of Jesus' baptism. Matthew 3. Matthew has 28 chapters. Chapter 3, not much has happened. He doesn't have a real good resume at this point. All he's pretty much done is been born. And it's at this moment that he's coming out of the water. John the Baptist baptizes him, and he's coming out of the water, and it says, The heavens parted, and a voice from heaven said... 
This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. He hadn't done anything. And the Father, the creator of the universe, claims him as his own. Speaks of his love for him. And Jesus is able to hear it, to receive it, to trust it. So we know, Jesus knows, that we are created equal. And yet Philippians 2, a little hymn written about Jesus, says that Jesus, though being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, something to be pursued, but instead took the nature of a servant. He voluntarily chose a less than attitude about himself. Because this was secure and not up for debate, he could choose a less than posture because it's not a reflection of his value. And so out of his value, he chooses a humble servant posture, and from that place, he does very good and important things. He did not do them to get the Father's approval. He did them in and with the Father's approval. And here's the thing, guys. If we get this wrong, if we get this wrong, this is what suffers, and this is what suffers. There's two ways. Either we don't understand where our value comes from, and we feel like it's daily up for debate. And we look in other people to, to see and validate in ourselves what we're not convinced of. That's that's devastating. Here's the flip side. If you don't know what basis this is secure on, but you know it's, you know it's solid, you know it matters, then what you have to do is you have to say, these don't matter. Because we are of value, these don't matter. It doesn't matter that you can't sing. It doesn't matter that you're not good. It doesn't matter that you're not, because you're valuable. We're unable to separate the two, and so we can't have meaningful conversations about both of them, because to us, they're one and the same. They're one and the same. And so if we have value, then everything we do must be great. But if everything we do isn't great, then maybe we don't have value. And here's the thing. It is not... God's kingdom is not advanced and accomplished simply because we have significance or are created in his image. You and I are saved not because of Jesus' value, but because of his actions. You and I have access to the Father, not because of his value, but because of what he did. His actions saw this beautiful partnership of human and divine interaction that advance the kingdom. That's God's design. Jesus, I want you to voluntarily humble yourself to the point of death. That's your part. I don't want you to just say, I'll do my best. There's no A's for effort. No, that's a real big deal. And you see Jesus in the garden the night before 
wrestling with this. I don't know, man. I don't know. And God had equipped him, and God had called him, and God had gifted him. And God says, you voluntarily die, I will raise you to life. And this beautiful thing from that day has served as our very basis of life and serves as the motivator, I believe, of all our work. So Jesus speaks to his disciples and he says, this is how we do it here. When the angels showed up on Christmas morning, they said, what, shepherds? No, they're like, hallelujah. And then they go, peace on earth, goodwill to men on whom his favor rests. That sounds, that sounds oddly similar. We're not Jesus. We're not the Son of God. But God's favor rests on those that he has made, those made in his image. For God so mildly tolerated the world. No, we start here too. We can if we choose to, if we can hear it. God gives us the capacity to believe it. And we have this equal then. And he calls us to, Paul says, be like-minded. Consider, consider others better than yourselves. Take a less than posture. For whoever wants to be great must become your servant. Even the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve. What we do matters. Our value is not found in it. Our significance is not pursued through it. We do not serve to earn the Father's approval. We serve because we have the Father's approval. Fowler talked about this last week, but I felt like it was worth revisiting because if we don't have a solid understanding of this, then we can't have a meaningful conversation about our actions. And the reality is that much of the kingdom's advance in the world has been delegated and designed for, for us. And here's what I mean. That we have a cheerful and competent parking crew matters. You don't think so? Let's give them a weekend off and just just see. Oh, it's a big it's a big deal. It, it really is. For what God is doing through his church in this little corner of the woods, and he's choosing to do a lot through his church. That's his plan A, that's his hope of the world. Parking crews affect what happens in here. If I go 12 minutes long. I'm not. <laughs> Yet. Uh, but say theoretically in the past I had. Do you realize that there are a thousand kids in another part of the building with, with a couple hundred leaders that have somewhere else to be for the next hour? Do you realize there's about 600 cars that need to transfer over? There's so many things. That matters. Table group leaders who are consistent who have character, 
and who can do that job well, does it make a difference than character leaders who are in, than, than, than table group leaders who are inconsistent, who don't lead a table group well and, and who have poor character? Did, is there a difference in the outcome? Preaching is this unique partnership of human homework and skill and ability and God doing work in a human soul that no person could ever, ever dream to accomplish. But if I didn't have a part, then we could just read this to you in Greek. And if the Holy Spirit's going to do it all anyways, then what difference does it make? No, we'd, we'd say, and, uh, let's do English. Let's do English. Just English. And may, maybe articulate, coherent Relevant, interesting English. Yes, there is much of, of what God does in the church and through the church that is not our responsibility, that we can't do. But sometimes that line of thinking has resigned us to think that our part doesn't matter. And so the, the, the person comes up and sings a solo, and you say, wow, that was amazing, great job. And they say, no, 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 it was all God. Actually, God would have probably hit every note. <laughs> like, you were like 98%. That, but that was really good. <laughs> like, yes, God gave you a gift and ability and breath and life and maybe used that in ways that you, you couldn't have even imagined to meet someone in a place of pain or, or whatever. But you, you practiced six hours, and I think that that song went better because of it. My character in my marriage is on this level. And I think if you'd ask her, she'd say, it matters. When middle schoolers walk into a room and leaders smile huge and say their name to them, a different dynamic is created than in a group that we never remember their names. I believe God wants to reach out to middle schoolers and to people in the city. And he has just so designed it that he allows us to make a lunch for a homeless person to receive when they wake up or to not make a lunch. And when we don't make it, there's not this random lunch that falls from heaven. No. There's a name and a face and a personality and a busy schedule behind every single volunteer at this place. There's always something else that could be done. But what Jesus said to James and John was, I will free you from your pursuit of significance through what you do, which should theoretically free up some time and resources and energy. And with that, I have enabled you and gifted you and called you to humbly serve, regardless of prominence or, or, or pay or, or, or what you'll get out of it. And it'll be significant, and it'll be meaningful. But don't get these confused. May you be affirmed in whatever you do, wherever you serve, because it matters. And may we be challenged to take very seriously our role in our lives and relationships and through the church.
because what we do matters. You have been listening to Josh Mann, pastor of Youth Ministries at Salem Alliance Church. If you've enjoyed this message, we'd love for you to be our guest at our worship service on our main campus at 5th and Market Streets in Northeast Salem. Worship services are Saturday at 5 and 6.30 p.m. and again on Sunday at 8, 9.30 and 11 a.m. If you'd like to receive a free Bible and more information on how to become a Christ follower, feel free to call our office at 503-581-2129. We'd love to know how we can serve you. And once again, that's Salem Alliance Church at 5th and Market Street in Northeast Salem.